Welcome back, folks. That sound means, of course, we're wrapping up another week here on the Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly, and this is for the weekend of March 25th. I'm Chris Temple, and I'm joined by our buddy, the mercenary geologist, Mickey Fulp. And Mickey, this week marked the first full week of trading after the Fed launched its, uh, and we'll use the word loosely, tightening policy. We'll see how this all works out for them. Uh, as we saw last week, a lot of asset classes actually rallied despite what might be a tighter game plan than what the markets had thought was coming ahead of time. We'll, we'll go down the list here. Let's start with gold and the precious metals complex. Well, gold was up on the week, close at 1955, up 1.8%, but that doesn't tell the entire story. It failed at resistance. So it actually closed down today. Silver followed suit, as it often does with gold, closed at 25.42, up a bit over 2%. The platinum group metals were down, and most of that down happened today. Platinum was down 25 bucks to close at less than a thousand, 2.4% loss on the week. And palladium being the volatile metal it has been, uh, was down nearly 7.5% to close at 22.46. Uh, big news today from the gold sector. Uh, the West has frozen all gold transaction with the Ruskies. And as we all know, that's just a paper tiger because there's lots of places to buy and sell gold outside of the Western world. Well, you know, it, it, it makes you laugh after a while, all of these sanctions that uh, have more of a boomerang effect than not. I'm not sure how much we're hurting Russia or hurting ourselves with a lot of this stuff. Do you, do you think with palladium specifically, Mickey, the, that 7.4% drop, was that just some profit-taking in a market that's been volatile? Was there any fundamental news that would have caused that? I did not see any fundamental news, but bear in mind that Norilsk, a Russian company, provides about 40% of the world's palladium. Wow, well, that's that's big. We'll, we'll continue to be talking about that. Moving on to copper, I was talking with a colleague this afternoon, and I loved what he called copper. He said it's the most pure and most complete beneficiary of pretty much every major economic and energy megatrend in the world. So that's why we, sink, we isolate that. It didn't do a whole lot this week, did it? Well, it's been a fairly quiet two, three, four, five weeks for copper, despite other futures markets, specifically oil and nickel roiling. Um, it closed at 467, up two cents on the week. It is in pretty strong contango now with the cash to threes at three cents, and worldwide inventories remain extremely low. Now, you, let's get to energy because we had some fireworks there mostly, and I want to lead off with natural gas, where we had, what was it, a 90-cent uh, 
for MCF move from week to week. And a lot of that, I think we can point to some fundamental news, can't we, of this deal where we're going to start exporting a lot more, claim we're going to be able to export a lot more LNG and so forth to Europe. And of course, that heightens the demand in the U.S. And Canada's probably going to feel this too, I would think, because we've got the best supplies and lowest prices in the world. And so inevitably, I guess our prices as we export more are going to be pulled up to European prices, aren't they? Well, we certainly hope not because European prices last I saw are about $35 per uh, MCF per million BTUs, about the same equivalent. Um, so what happened is Biden announced plans to increase U.S. exports of LNG to the European Union but really it's just a shuffle game because uh, it, we're not gonna produce more uh, while we continue to con, uh, cut production in the U.S. And uh, so one of the, the solutions to the nat gas problem in Europe is to install more smart thermostats, according to Biden. Well. Well, anyway, that'll do so, the trick by so next let's week. Let's go ahead and get on to oil <laughs> here. Uh, it had a very volatile week once again, over under sideways down. If you remember that old Yardbird song, backwards, forwards, square and round. That's kind of <laughs> been the oil market lately. Uh, we had some supply disruptions this week with weather in Kazakhstan and the Saudis got bombed by the Houthis again, or however you say it, from Yemen. So that knocked some production off. Let's look at the numbers. Rigs up seven, but once again, production remains flat. Inventories down another 2.5 million barrels. Imports up another 100,000 barrels to 6.5 due Trump era versus now, we're looking at 800,000 barrels per day more. Uh, refineries are starting to tick up uh, in anticipation of the summer driving season in the U.S., uh, 150,000 up this week. Wow. And real quick on uranium, uh, any, any comments? Well, it had a nice move up. Two bucks this week, close at 58.40. For a 3.4% gain, did not find any real news that would have uh, explained this. But but bear in mind, this is a this is a negotiated market, very thinly traded. So these sorts of moves aren't unusual. Uh, Sprott added another million pounds of uranium to its inventories this week. Now at almost 53 million pounds of uranium. Wow. That, that's a heck of a stash. Let's move on to the currencies and interest rates and that type of thing. Uh, with, with the dollar, it still stays pretty levitated with the Fed uh, with its hawkish talk. Any, any news there before we get into so the real fireworks, I think, with the interest rates and mortgages? Well, it certainly was. The U.S. dollar remains very strong. I think this has to do mainly with how weak the euro is because euro composes 56% of DXY. DXY closed up 59 basis points 
9879 year old loss the equivalent amount of course it closed at 1099 less than a buck 10 and the loony had another nice week it's above 80 cents uh, once again it's been a few months since we've seen that it closed at 0.8021 the big news as you said was the treasuries with the feds hockey statements and I love what you said to start uh, uh, loosely yeah well loosely define loosely, it as tightening say that again say we will loosely define it as tightening and try not to yeah, laugh loosely define it as uh, tightening uh, so uh, the bond market certainly reacted that the 10-year treasury bond was up 29 basis points to close at 2.49%. That is almost a three-year high. And the real story is the two-year Treasury bill, which closed at 2.30%, also a high since May of, of 2019. And that uh, spread is narrowing. It looks like an inversion an inverted yield could be coming, and that's what happens when we have recessions that start six to 12 months later. Yep, and very likely we're going to see that. Uh, it's going to be something to see if consumers and especially home buyers and some builders in the U.S. are going to be able to stomach this huge jump in 30-year mortgages, which were just about to tickle 5% as we close the week. That's not going to do a whole lot of good for the economy. Uh, moving on to the stock market, despite all of those rising yields, stocks by and large, even at a slower pace, continued to add to last week's gains. What do you, what do you make of that? Well, it was really a choppy week after last week's big surges with the market's up anywhere from 45 to 7% last week. But Seesaw Week, up, down, up, down, up <laughs> over the five days. Uh, Dow closed at 34,861, up 3 tenths percent. S&P 500, very nice week, 4543, up 1.8%. Same for NASDAQ, 14,169. Up 2%. The VIX, the volatility index, was drifting lower all week, started around 30 or 23, ended the week at around 21. Uh, the macro news this week consumer sentiment at a 10 year low. Um, so, topsy turvy markets, uh, nice rally the last couple of weeks. Uh, volatility continues. Well, and thankfully for those that like the resource stocks, which the TSXV disproportionately represents, that had a better move than the rest of the markets this week for a change. Well, they certainly did, and uh, the TSXV now it now comprises forty percent of or junior gold stocks, forty percent of that index. So not nearly as weighted as it was in past years. Uh, but it it has closed up nine days in a row, and it closed, hang on a minute, while I pull my sheet up again, closed at 885, up 33.6% on the week, 
uh, on very low volumes once again. We're still only averaging somewhere around 60 million shares per day. Wow. Uh, you know, next week we're going to mark the end of the first quarter. There was some chatter that the reason why the market's bogged down this week uh, is that people who are having to rebalance their portfolios at quarter end don't know whether to zig or zag or do the up or down thing and sideways and whatnot that you referred to. Anything else ahead next week, Mickey, we should keep an eye on? Well, I think we want to look at gold if it's going to uh, stay below resistance or bust through at 1960 an ounce. We expect oil volatility to continue. Uh, we got two main data releases next week. U.S. Uh, Q4 GDP and the March job report expecting uh, analyst consensus about a half a million jobs. We'll see what actually happens next week. Yes, right. Okay, and before we sign off, what uh, parting words or snarks do you have for us today? <laughs> I think I have a pretty good one. Once again, it will be a Twitter poll that will be up momentarily. And the question is, and I'm going to ask you directly, what is your favorite name that ends in I-N-E? And your choices are Maxine, my two-week-old heifer calf, Maybelline, Chuck Berry's girlfriend, if you remember that song. Yep. Third choice is Francine, ZZ Top's Teenage Queen, and of course the fourth one is Justine, as in Trudeau. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, last week I think I was on a winning team uh, picking Justine Trudeau, so this week i got to go with the third choice, Francine, and that's for sentimental reasons, Mickey, because that was the wife of the immortal Reggie Dunlop, played by Paul Newman in Slapshot, so that's my pick. <laughs> well, what a great movie that was. Yes, it I was. I didn't make that connection, but... But uh, rest assured, I'm going to vote for Francine to uh, ZZ Top, one of my favorite bands of all time. Hey, that's great. Mickey, thanks so much. And folks, thanks to all of you for joining us today here uh, on Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly, which, of course, is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. Now, to keep up with Mickey, you'll find him at MercenaryGeologist.com. And on Twitter, he's at, merc at Mercenary Geo. And for yours truly, Chris Temple, I'm at NationalInvestor.com, or you can find me on Twitter under the handle at NatInvestor. Thanks again for joining us, folks. Be well, and we'll look forward to being back with you next week. <laughs>